This podcast is part of the Bombpod Media Network. To episode 75 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. 75. Almost there. To what? 100. <laughs> uh, you'll have to excuse Ninja in the background tonight. He uh, is uh, nasally. I think he has a cold or something. Yeah, so he sure does. He's very loud. Um, the song that we had on there was Summer Breeze. Summer Breeze. Okay. Makes um, me feel fine. We, uh... We're doing Summer Wind, and uh, I didn't know of a song called Summer Wind, but for some reason, Summer Breeze just hit me, and I stuck with it all week. Uh, a breeze, that a That's wind, what I was going to do. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> so it's a little more stormy than one night. You know, who cares? <laughs> so uh, this is going to be a really fun show. Um, we have a lot of people that's been asking us to do Summer Wind, and I was holding off because there is a, a pretty well-known author out there that is an expert on Summer Wind, and I've been trying to set up him to come on the show and talk a little bit about it and uh, that's what's been the hold up he's a very popular young man and uh we finally got a hold of him thus the summer wind episode this week great that worked out good worth the wait yeah craig nearing is the is the gentleman you've probably heard him on some other shows talking about summer wind and uh he's a he's a fun guy to talk to and we talk about a bunch of events going on especially out in iowa there's an event that he's going to invite you guys out to which is pretty darn cool as usual, we're going to thank all of our military and your military, whatever country uh, they might be uh, supporting for everything that they do. Thank you guys so much. Yes, thank you. God bless each and every one of you. And when we say guys, we mean guys and gals. And gals. So you, yeah. We appreciate you ladies just as much. Unless you're, you know, in over in Saudi Arabia where I'm sure they don't allow women in the military. They probably don't. I'm or not sure. on the streets driving. Which I'm not against that because I think insurance rates would probably be a lot better. Well, if you know women. you have a lot of women listeners that are about to punch in your face, right? <laughs> uh, you, I know, know, you know this, right? I, I know a couple, yeah. specifically. Yeah. Um, okay, so 
Obviously, we would jump on our iTunes reviews real quick because you guys came out in strong force last week. You yeah, had a couple so of weeks much. over the holidays where it was a little lower than normal. And um, I think now it's getting back to a little closer to what it was. We got on one Java Woman, Big Blue 1065, Boss DGM. That's a cool name. Mm-hmm. Priscilla, thank you, dear. Kimmy, N. Marshall, Annabelle, and Jay Joslin. I know who that is. Janice? No. Not Joplin. Joplin. Oh, <laughs> it's, crap. It's, it's John. Remember, he was on our listeners episode. Oh, yeah. 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 And Thank then, you guys for the reviews. We appreciate it. Yep, they Got were awesome. Got an upgrade on one. I'm very happy for about that. Yep. So thank you guys again. Uh, Patreon, we actually had uh, new listeners. We got Jennifer DeLeon. Oh, I, I like that. It. It's kind DeLeon. of French. I probably said it completely wrong. It's probably like DeLeon or something. No. I was completely wrong. Jennifer can let us know. Uh, Lily Rios, she's one of my little favorites. She's been listening to the show as long as we've had a Facebook page. Oh, great. Thanks, and so honey. she jumped in there. Uh, Leslie Greenwood, Kate Crew, Tim Mays. Tim was excited enough where he called me to let me know that he did it uh, on my way to work the other day. And we talked for probably 30 minutes. Oh, that's great. And then uh, Leslie Tyler. So Awesome. Thank you, guys. We yep. appreciate you so you much. You guys are the shizit. The, the shizit. We had uh, just finished up an interview a little bit ago that would be on next week's show with C.K., his name's uh, actually Kevin May from Mirths and Monsters, Ooh. and that was fun. So you guys, uh, if you listen to it, and that's why we drink, you probably know who he is, even if you haven't listened to his show, because he's uh, made an appearance, too, on there. On uh, That's how he kind of got um, started doing a podcast, was through their encouragement. Good. And uh, we talk a little bit about that, but that'll be on next week's episode. Uh, but it's a fun show, Mirths and Monsters. Check it out. It's a very... Family-friendly show, no questionable material whatsoever in it. So if you've got uh, a 9, 10, 11-year-old, 12-year-old that's into, like, fantasy-type stuff, myth stuff, uh, lore, it's a perfect show to listen to. Perfect. Sorry. The other thing I want to touch on before we get into our story is last week's sound quality was absolute crap. Ooh, And we apologize. It was crap. So let me tell you what happens. As you know, um, this whole podcasting thing is um, not the easiest thing to do sometimes when from the technical side, from my end, because I'm not the most technical person. And apparently what happened was I've learned that if I put on my headphones and there's a hum that I can catch that so we can eliminate that problem. What I haven't exactly learned is that if the uh, cord that plugs, or the USB cord that plugs in the computer is not completely in, I can hear myself through the headphones fine, but it's not recording with our microphones. So what actually happened last week, to make a long story short, is we were using our fancy microphone system, but it actually recorded the whole show on the uh, regular microphone just on the computer. <laughs> it did not use our mics at all. Yeah, we apologize because it was really not good. And so we thought everything sounded good, and in our ears, it did sound good. Uh, but unfortunately, in your ears, <laughs> it did not sound good. And uh, we'll see about, I've uh, got a little double check, triple check uh plan in place now to where we make sure everything's good before we get started sorry guys yeah it sucks because it was a really good episode and the sound quality just made it where some people probably just turned it off yeah so anyways i turned it off yep she did (laughs) i was like oh my gosh yikes we 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 went to an event right after we put the show up and we listened to it on the way up and as we started listening it was like oh my god this is horrible yeah so we didn't have time to change it and we're really sorry you deserve better than that Right, and I blame Tracy 100% because she doesn't know how to stay in her seat, and I'll guarantee she knocked that wire loose when she walked over on the other side of the bed. But wow. I'm not pointing fingers. Wow. 
Okay, let's get on to Summer Wind. You better go to Summer Wind. <laughs> you're you're so, asking for it tonight. Summer Wind was actually formerly known as Lamont Mansion, and it's on West Bay uh, Lake, which is the northeast part of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, very close to the Michigan border. So I think actually some of the lake is in Michigan side, and the other part of the lake is on the Wisconsin side. It was built in the early 1900s and used as a fishing lodge. Okay, cool. Yep, you could actually go and spend a night there for... As little as $10 a night. No way. <laughs> How about that for a bargain? That is a bargain. And that was probably really expensive back, back then in the day, for what yeah. this was. In 1916, Robert Patterson Lamont actually bought the home, and he turned it into a uh, summer home for him and his uh, his wife. He was actually, uh, eventually, during the time that he lived there, he became the U.S. Secretary of Commerce. So he was a pretty, well, good for him. pretty well-known politician. He completely renovated the uh, the cabin, and he used some Chicago architects by the name of Talmadge and Watson, and it took about two years to get it completely remodeled, and that was about the time they moved in. Wouldn't you love to have that? Wouldn't you love to have, like, a summer home like that? I'd be happy just to have this home in the summer. What do you mean? We do have this home in the summer. Right, and I'm happy for what I have. Oh, but it would be nice to have, like, a little getaway <laughs> place to go to. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd definitely love to have a place just... When yeah. it's like freezing cold right now and snow mm-hmm. on the ground to be able to leave too. So the property was actually rumored to be haunted before anybody ever had a chance to live in it. There was lots of uh, Native American battles with, with the, the British settlers that had just uh, moved up that way. Uh, there was also rumored that it's a Native American burial ground that was all around this property. So it wasn't a good place to build something to begin with. So the, the Lamont family owned the property for approximately 15 years. And they had a lot of paranormal experiences during that time. So shortly after moving into to, uh, the Lamont Mansion, of course, I don't think they called it the Lamont Mansion. They just probably just called it their home. Yeah. But shortly after moving in, uh, the maid actually told Mr. Lamont that she thought the house was haunted, but he didn't believe that because he said that the building was too new. He didn't think it could be haunted. Oh. <laughs> so I guess that makes sense unless the land was already haunted because of all the Indian burial ground right. and, and all the stuff yeah, going I mean, on. Yeah, he probably didn't even think of that. His whole opinion of that changed, though, in the early 1930s when uh, he had a little incident that kind of shook him so bad that him and his wife and family just abandoned the property. Oh, dang. Like, instantly. They just grabbed their stuff and was gone. Wow, I can't so wait to hear this. Legend says that one night him and his wife were actually sitting eating dessert in the kitchen. And uh, there's a basement door in his kitchen. The door started shaking real bad, and then it just kind of opened up, slowly opened up. And when the door opened up, there was an apparition of a man. And Lamont stared at the ghost, and he said that the ghost stared at him. And then he pulled out a pistol, and the the door, the ghost kind of slammed the door shut. Behind, you know, he yeah. back down and slammed the door shut. Uh, but by that time, Lamont had fired uh, two shots from his gun which landed into the, the door. Okay, but I don't know how he thinks he's going to shoot a ghost. Well, maybe he's instinct. He probably wasn't thinking. He probably wouldn't think he was going to see a ghost, so. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. So him and his wife fled, and that was it. Now, it is kind of important to note, and we'll get into this with Craig a little bit, there are a bunch of different stories about what happened. Everything is exactly the same, most of the stories, but... Uh, a big majority of the stories say that it was an apparition of a man. Mm-hmm. But then there's another bunch of accounts that say that it was a woman in a white dress with black hair. Oh. So there's two different versions yeah. of what apparition seen. It all is him 
same thing with him being in the kitchen and uh-huh. with the, the door opening and him shooting two shots. So just thought that was kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. Now, Mr. Lamont actually died in 1948. Uh, they didn't live in the property or go there for summers or anything after this happened. So they had the place another 13 or, you know, 15 years. Oh, and they just never went and to it? And just didn't go back to it. So Why they, didn't he try to sell it, I wonder? Well, I don't know. Uh, but they did, they did end up selling it in 1948. Uh, the bullet holes were still in the, the, oh, the wow. yeah. And they, they were there for years to be seen, you know, even yeah. after current, current and, and, uh, the newer owners throughout the bullet holes were always there, uh, but it set empty, even though it was sold in 1948, it set empty until the seventies. The people who bought it in 1948 was, uh, the last names were Kefford. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but Mrs. Kefford did not like being in there. She got a funny feeling, so she ne- they never moved in. She bought it, I guess, as an investment, and she tried to sell it several times during the 60s, and every time somebody would buy it, it was like a contract for deed, or mm-hmm. uh, but every time somebody would buy it, they never could keep the payments up or, or make the payments, so she ended up getting it back. Oh, man. That's a nightmare. Yeah, but then, <laughs> but then in the 70s, uh, Arnold and Ginger Henshaw actually bought Summerwind, and they started renovating it into, I guess, what they would say what was their dream, like. code, mm-hmm. their, their dream home. That was what they, they wanted. And uh, unfortunately, the paranormal turned their dream home into a nightmare. Arnold and Ginger actually had six kids, and uh, they moved in in the early part of the 70s and moved out a whole six months later. Oh, <laughs> That must have been some crazy stuff going on to that, do that. That six months was very eventful, to say the least. So strange things started from the very first day that they actually moved into the uh, the property. They might not have been people living there, but there obviously was something still there uh, because this place didn't seem like it was vacant by any means. Oh. If you get my you drift. Mean, yeah. The Henshaws and their children started seeing shapes and shadows in the hallways they could hear voices and um, moans and groans that were in the, the dark, empty rooms. So there was a bunch of rooms where they didn't, you know, just didn't go into because it was a pretty big house. And they could hear voices and stuff in there. When they would walk into the room to kind of check it out, it would just stop. They would uh, they would even hear music and stuff like that coming. So, so they actually did go into the room. Oh, yeah. They would walk into a room and anything they were hearing, whether it be the music or moans, groans, all that stuff, just stop. Isn't that sad? Yep. That's so sad. Why is that sad? I mean, because the ghosts are like moaning and groaning, just like they're in agony <laughs> and like, Whoa. you know what I'm saying? You did that wailing thing last week. I know. You know, you're I trying to make mean, a recurring no, thing. No, I didn't mean to, but you know what I'm saying? It's just, I think it's sad that they're just stuck there. One of the uh, particular entities that they would actually see, and this is going to be kind of a common theme, was a woman who floated back and forth past some French doors that were leading into the dining room. But she had long black hair and a white dress. Mm-hmm. And see, that's where it fits kind of in with what Lamont supposedly yeah. saw. So there's a couple of different, like I said, whether he saw the man or whether he saw this, they claim that they saw a woman with black hair and a white dress. And that's going to come into play a little more a little later into the story. The first instinct, obviously, is where they were there just imagining things. Because you, sure, you know, you it's don't, a new house, yeah. or you know, it's a new house to you. It's kind of an older house. It's creaks and stuff. That's what the house is settled. Everybody would think that, but it soon came became pretty obvious that that was not the case. 
They had several appliances and a hot water heater and a water pump that would just stop working for no reason whatsoever and then just start miraculously working again the next day before they could even call somebody out to look at it. Well, and, I mean, at least it started working before they called somebody because I would piss me off. Right. Well, all these appliances were like brand new also. Oh, my gosh. So it, was, it just was a very strange coincidence. Uh, they had, of course, the infamous windows and doors that open and close that seems to happen in every haunted house. Uh, these were regular occurrences. I mean, that happened daily. And one particular window would actually raise itself, and then it would slam shut. And then it would raise itself, and it would slam shut. Well, that's annoying. Yeah, it was so annoying that actually Arnold went and nailed it shut. <laughs> <laughs> so one night, Arnold walked out to his car, and uh, just before he got to the car, he said his car burst into flames. <gasps> Wait a yeah. minute. There was nobody anywhere near the car. Um, the car ha- wasn't running at the time, and there was never a cause found. That ghost was like, I'll show you, bitch. Well, I'm thinking. Now my window shut next time. Initially, when this was the 70s, I just figured it was a Pinto. But <laughs> Ping. <laughs> Remember those funny commercials? <laughs> anybody that is so anybody younger than us won't remember oh my them, gosh no and that is so terrible what if he had gotten in the car he would have exploded it everywhere <laughs> yeah, i'm sure he would have. oh my gosh he was so lucky so they don't know if it was supernatural or just a weird coincidence but regardless yeah. that's what happened so even though the place was obviously haunted um they had some companies to try to come in and do some uh, repairs and renovations so it's like oh, it's haunted but what the hell we'll stay here anyway they didn't care it was common for workers to actually call in sick or quit in the middle of the project oh well, i guess so yeah so some actually admitted that they didn't like working there at all because it was haunted and then um, they just gave up and decided we'll just do the work ourselves and that's what they did it was like tom hanks and money pit <laughs> <laughs> best kidding. movie ever <laughs> So one day they actually started painting this closet, and it was in one of the bedrooms that they had. It was um, um, had a large drawer in it that was made for shoes. First of all, who the hell puts shoes in a drawer? I don't know. That's not a bad idea, but, actually. So this was like installed uh, to where inside the back of the closet, the drawer actually went behind the closet. So it would be the drawer actually was flush with the mm-hmm. back, but it would pull out. because oh, cool. Because it was cut out behind the closet yeah. door. Yeah. That's a that I like that yeah. actually. So they were out there and, and Arnold was looking at it and he was noticing and he pulled the drawer out to paint around it so he could paint around the edges. And first of all, who paints a closet? I, um I mean I really don't see the point in it because when you like me and you just throw your shoes in the closet and it scuffs up the wall, I don't know. I don't think right. I don't So know. anyway, so he pulls the drawer out so he could paint around the edges and he says that once he pulled it out he noticed that there was that, that opening because he didn't know there was oh, an opening. Oh, he didn't even know about that. Well, no, it just didn't make sense. But when he right. pulled it out, it's like there was this big black hole he could look into. Mm-hmm. And he said, told Ginger to go get him a flashlight, which she did. And um, once he shined it in there, he just kind of jumped back. Oh, wow. And he was scared to death because he said that there were bones <gasps> back there in the compartment. No. Well, obviously, after gathering his wits... He was like, well, it makes sense. There's probably some kind of dead animal that crawled back there. Oh, that's, that's what, what he is. thought then. So, but he couldn't get back in there because he was bigger. So he said. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, no. Well, he said, <laughs> he said, we'll wait till the kids get home. <gasps> what a rat. <laughs> so he, 
So he waited till the kids got home because they were actually smaller. Yeah. And he got his uh, his youngest daughter, Mary, to take the flashlight and crawl inside. Why in the world would he do that? To take a look because he because she was small enough. So I mean, I, mean, I get it, but I get it too. But he would think if he thinks he's haunted stuff's going on, you're gonna send your little kid in there. Well, he still wasn't thinking haunted, and so what if it was if there's a ghost? It's gonna get you inside the closet or out of the closet, or it won't matter. Uh, sounds to me like he was just a puss. Well, either way. So he sends Mary in there with the flashlight. And a few seconds later, she screams. She said that it was a human skeleton in there. Oh, no. She found a brown arm. (gasps) So it wasn't even like bones. It was like, I guess, like a mummified type arm. So she found a brown arm, a portion of a leg, and a skull with long, stringy black hair. Oh, bless her heart. She had to look at all that crap. That's awful. So, but if you see the the long stringy the black, black hair, hair yeah, it fits in with the apparition yeah. they were seeing, impossible the apparition that yeah. Mr. Lamont had seen. So, oddly enough, the Henshaws never reported this to police. The reason that they gave was, oh, the crime would have been committed so long ago, based on the condition of the body, police wouldn't be able to do anything about it now. I call bullshit. I, I call bullshit, too. That's so ridiculous. It makes you really question mm-hmm. the story right off the bat. And we're going to get into that story a little more when Craig comes on. So uh, it'll be fun to, to see. Craig's not just going to get on here and spew mm-hmm. stories about Summer Wind. We're going to talk about some of the questions and Good. holes in these stories. So so they left the body where it was because, you know, you wouldn't want to take it out and bury it or nothing like that. You know, let's just leave it there. Oh, my gosh. That's so gross. <laughs> and I mean, wouldn't you think that if you had paranormal activity going on in the house and you find this skeleton that you would think, hey, maybe if we give it a it proper better, burial, yes, things would it'll stop. Be a, <laughs> but apparently that's not what they thought. They thought, hey, let's just shove it back behind the shoes because she's obviously happy where she's at. So one of the ghosts they saw had the black hair, like I said. So who the hell was this person? Was this because there's no mention of her? Especially when you talk about the white dress. I mean, mm-hmm. that doesn't fit in with the British settlers. It doesn't really fit in with the um, the Native Americans. Right. And nobody lost. There was nobody that passed away during the times the Lamonts were there. So, And, and that's who Lamont was seeing, too. Mm. So it makes no sense whatsoever. So shortly after finding this body, things began to take a turn for the worse, as oh, they yeah. always do. Of course. You ever notice that every story we do, there's always things take a turn for the worse? I know. And that's... It's bad enough as it is. <laughs> so the Henshaws had actually purchased uh, a Hammond organ. You know, one of those like you have in the church. Yeah, yeah. They had purchased one of those before they uh, moved into Summerwind. And uh, Arnold actually loved playing it. He started, uh, he, it was like therapeutic to him. Yeah. So he would play it before they moved in. It was something he just did to, you know, make things. Less stressful. And yeah, less stressful. Happen, and, less know, stressful make- in his life. Absolutely. Well, now, though, Arnold began staying up all night long. And playing the organ. And it was like a creepy style of music. Like you would hear, you know, da-na-na-na. Oh, you mean he changed the, the kind of stuff he was playing? Yeah, the yeah. Music? Now he's playing this Uh-oh. creepy music and not like what you would use to play on an organ. It yeah. was just like this, mm-hmm. you know, eerie stuff you would hear in a in a Frankenstein movie, movie or yeah. something like that. And uh, so he would play a mixture of melodies that actually made no sense. And then it would get louder as the night went on. So Ginger would like beg him to stop. But he said that the demons in the house demanded that he play. So how about that? Whoa. So they got into him, huh? Some musical demons. You got to like that, though. Yeah, though. Yeah. Sometimes he would actually um, 
just like slam his hands on the organ mm-hmm. instead of actually just playing music. It was just like yeah. slamming it. And then he would repeatedly do that. And he would do this until dawn. He'd step all night long oh doing this. Oh, my God. This. That would drive you insane. Yeah. And it scared the family so bad that like Ginger and the six kids would all be like in one bedroom in a corner just kind of cowering in fear yeah. and kind of crying. And I can imagine. That. When he goes to play in beautiful, calming music to that. Right. So Arnold actually had a a, uh, complete mental breakdown. And Ginger actually tried to commit suicide (gasps) during this this six months. The question is, did any of this happen? I mean, you're thinking about it, you know, with the parents mentally unstable to begin with. And that's what caused all this. What about the kids? The kids were saying that they saw stuff. They saw apparitions. They saw, heard, you know, voices and stuff like this. Were they really seeing stuff or were they just influenced by the parents', parents. actions? Because if, if, you know, he had a mental breakdown. So was this something that was already an issue before they moved in that was ongoing that this was the straw that broke the camel's back? Or is this something that led to him having the breakdown? There's a lot of questions. I, I can't say that. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like that was something going on beforehand. Yeah, but we don't really know their story beforehand, mm-hmm. you know. So Arnold uh, was sent away for treatment, and Ginger and the kids moved in with uh, Ginger's parents and uh, in Grant, Wisconsin. After it became clear that Arnold wouldn't get any better, Ginger actually divorced Arnold, and then um, she remarried a gentleman by the name of George Olson. So then she... Her mind was clear after that. She didn't have the suicidal... Nothing listed about it, so I can assume not. Well, poor Arnold. So things were actually going great for Ginger until her dad announces that he was going to buy Summer Wind. Are you kidding? Right. Her dad, uh, Raymond Bobber, was actually a popcorn vendor and a businessman. So he thought, hey, I can buy the place and move on. Okay, after he heard what all was going on and this... Well, that's we're going to get into that. Okay. So things might not, according to this story, things aren't really as clear as that. Okay. So you would think. So he and his wife, Marie, actually wanted to turn it into a bed and breakfast uh, or some type of uh, a, a motel, hotel, and a restaurant. So they were that's the lines that they were looking at. And they thought it would be a perfect spot because it sits right there on the, yeah. you know, the, the lake. It would be a good little destination for people to come to. Now, supposedly, they had no idea what happened to their daughter. That's what you're led to believe, that she had issues, but she never told them why. Oh, she never told them? Yeah. And Ginger was actually horrified that they were going to buy the house. And like I said, she had never given them the full details about what happened to her during that six months that they were there. And she wouldn't about to tell them now. She refused to tell them anything that was going on Why would she not tell them? That is the craziest thing. Once again, makes you think there's more holes in the story. So I don't know. So what she did do was begged them not to buy summer wind but her dad's mind was already made up and he said that he knew the house was haunted this is a good one but he didn't care because he had spent time at the house and he knew who was haunting the house according to bobber the ghost was actually an 18th century explorer by the name of jonathan carver (laughs) he claims this this is the good part he claims that Carver was searching for an old deed that the Sioux Indians had given him, and actually the deed actually gave him the right to the northern third of Wisconsin. Oh, gosh. Which, by the way, this couldn't have been possible, but we'll get into that oh. <laughs> at some point. But the deed was actually put in a box, and it was sealed into the foundation of Summerwind. 
and Bobber said that Carver had asked him to help him find it. How? He came to him in a dream. Hmm. So this Jonathan Carver came to him in a dream and said, hey, help me find this deed. Now, first of all, this deed, there was supposedly a deed given to a Jonathan Carver. Yeah. So he did exist. But even if they had given him the deed, it wouldn't have been good today. So it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, that's true. And also, it wouldn't have been good back then because he was a British settler. Mm -hmm. And the British refused or would not allow their, their... Soldiers and settlers, not the, it was more or less, you know, but he, because he was from Britain, they would not allow him to take those gifts from anybody. That was part of the rules and regulations. They, so these, these Sioux Indians couldn't have gave him that property, even if they put it on a deed, he couldn't have kept it anyway. Oh. So it was worthless from the beginning and it would be worthless today. So anyway, right after Bobber actually bought the house, his son Carl, Ginger, and her new husband George decided that they were going to go up there and spend a day checking the house out. And as they were leaving the second floor, George noticed that there was a closet with a secret compartment. Uh. Of course, that's her new husband. So he pulled the drawer out and started looking behind the drawer, and Ginger begged him not to. She does a lot of begging, apparently, to no, to no avail. Well, she's dumb. Why isn't she telling him? <laughs> so George was confused about why Ginger never told him about finding a body back behind a drawer, which I have my suspicions on why, because it probably never happened. But anyway, she set the whole family down in the kitchen and decided that she was going to tell them the story, okay? So as guys will do, after hearing the story, they immediately ran upstairs to check it out. Of course. <laughs> and <laughs> Carl took a flashlight, and he climbed through it, and he said it was empty. Now, you know, it's amazing. Carl, for some reason, which was her brother... Which is older. I think he was like 25 or something like uh-huh. that. I mean, he was he's not a kid. He was able to climb in there. But yet, Arnold couldn't climb in it. It took uh, the daughter, Mary, to climb in. But yet, her brother somehow could climb through it. And I don't know the sizes. I mean, I guess that's possible. But it just, that just seems funny. The stories were getting weird. Right. So, obviously, uh, Bobber and George also checked. And the question is, obviously, where did the remains go? There I was mean, like nothing. Nothing. Not one stitch of anything. No. Wow. So at the end of the summer, Carl, the brother, he actually went to the house. He was all by himself. He came up there because he was needing to get some repair estimates, and he was going to check with somebody about getting rid of uh, some bats. They apparently had an infestation of bats. Yay. And I don't know if they were Louisville sluggers or like. <laughs> <laughs> but they were going to do some uh, some yard work and clean up and stuff like that. So it was actually raining the first day that he got up there, and uh, he started going and closing windows because obviously he don't want to get uh, uh, rain in through all the house, so he's closing the windows. While he's upstairs in the hallway, he heard someone call his name. He said he looked around, but there was nobody in there, so he closed the windows and went downstairs. That's when he walked into the front room, and he says that he actually heard two gunshots. <gasps> what? Yeah. He ran into the kitchen. He said it was filled with smoke, and it smelled like gunpowder. So he actually goes and, and checks all the doors and all the locks, they're undisturbed, so he goes into the kitchen. He started looking around, and he sees two bullet holes in the door that's leading to the basement. Now, he initially thought these were new, but after examining them, he noticed that they'd obviously been there for a long time because they were kind of rounded out mm-hmm. and around the edges and smoothed out just from years and years yeah. of, uh, of being there. And they were the holes, obviously, from Robert Lamont. Oh, my gosh. Why ain't nobody ever 
better change those doors. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess some people like that kind of history. Yeah. That was enough to chase Carl away, or at least for the day. So the rest of these renovations, they didn't go exactly smoothly either. You got workers who refused to stay on the job, uh, complaints of feeling watched or missing tools, which you can imagine that would frustrate people. Marie Barber actually said that she always felt like that whenever she was in the house, that somebody was following her around or uh, she was constantly being watched. Mr. Barber had his own concerns. He said the house was apparently growing. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> he would actually measure the rooms and then come back the next day and remeasure them, and they were a different size. Oh, my Lord. Uh, on top of that, he estimated that in what they were going to make the dining room for the restaurant, he estimated he could fit 150 guests into the restaurant, but the original blueprints would only fit about half of that. Okay, now that's a big, big leap. Right. So pictures that were actually taken uh, seconds apart, would prove this. Like, for example, the living room seemed to be uh, the room that grew the most. Barbara took pictures of the living room and he compared it to Ginger's when she would live there. And Barbara said that it was obvious that the rooms were bigger just in the pictures. Okay. Okay. So why then through all of this stuff that's happening, why didn't they just get somebody to come in and release the demons or whatever they had to do no idea i mean wouldn't that make a little more sense to you that to have somebody to come in and do that or try to get rid of them i guess it depends on what your belief system is so if you're not religious and you're seeing these things happen i mean who are you gonna call somebody jewish somebody catholic somebody protestant i mean i don't know what their religious background was well, so. i just think it'd be easier than having to keep buying a bunch of tools well, <laughs> well, this is uh, this was kind of cool. So, Barbara didn't have any curtains up in the in the place yet, okay? But when he took pictures, there was curtains in the pictures, and oh, the wow. curtains were the picture or the curtains were the same ones that were in the pictures from Ginger when she lived there. So that's even though cool. he had no curtains, they were the curtains that were that she had when oh, she was up. Oh gosh, that's so oh that that's creepy. So anyway, he just decided that they were just going to scrap the plans. Of doing this restaurant in the end. And <laughs> Barbara, actually, it's funny. They never actually even spent a night in the house during all this. They stayed in an RV that was out there on the property, but they didn't stay in the Not house Not one all. night did no. they stay. Oh, my gosh. So, I guess the question would be, if Jonathan Carver's ghost was who they thought was haunting the place, then why didn't they stay in the house? Yeah. I mean, he felt like he knew all the answers. Yeah. So, that was my question. But anyway. That is a good question. And if he was such a jerk, this Jonathan Carver, I mean, if you're asking somebody, because I mean, this is the way I take it. If you're asking somebody to help you find a deed, why was he being such a jerk? Yeah, that's not how you get somebody to help you to be in a so, hole. So that just doesn't seem right. So Bomber says that um, Carver just kind of, uh, res- I guess you could say resented anybody that was trying to live in the house yeah. and make changes. And he thinks that was his philosophy. So he just didn't like the fact that people were trying to change, you know, but I don't know why he would care. He didn't live in the house. It wasn't well, his house. Exactly. And you need to get over it already. Go haunt you know. somebody else. Well, I guess they th- they figured at least till the deed was found that they shouldn't be doing any kind of remodeling yeah. or anything. And that's, I guess maybe it was like, hey, you need to focus on this and not remodeling. So anyway, so Barbara actually spent many days in the basement looking for the deed. He would check crevices, and he'd chip away at the foundation. And to this day, the mysterious deed has never been found. 
see all that and you still didn't find it and craig actually tells us a little bit about this possible deed being found and all this stuff when we oh. talked to him for a little bit so and in uh 1979 though here's where it all comes together Bobber actually published a book about his experience at Summerwind and his communication with Carver through his dreams and uh, through, well, he said he talked to him through dreams and a Ouija board and and trances. So he apparently talked to this Carver guy through several different ways. And Was he a big old liar? I don't know. But the book was actually called The Carver Effect. That's and, kind of a cool name, yeah, though. Yeah, it's cool. But in the years to follow, uh, Barbara actually abandoned Summerwind. Uh, several skeptics started coming forward to kind of poke holes in his story, as you can imagine. Uh, one of the facts that Summerwind was actually built 130 years after Carver died, so uh, the deed couldn't be in the foundation. Oh, my god! Carver gosh. died 130 years before the place was built. Why didn't somebody figure that out from the beginning? I mean, I guess if it's supernatural, I guess you could just place something anywhere. So I wonder how many books he sold. I don't know. Maybe just you can't get it now, though. It's not imprinted. Oh, anymore, it's so not? Yeah, no. You can't get it anywhere? No, no. I imagine somebody's probably got a copy of it, but it's not something you can just readily buy. It's pretty hard to find. But uh, one fact is that Summerwood was built, you know, like I said, 130 years later, so that can't have happened. Um, also turns out that Bobber wasn't the most credible person in the world. He used to try to uh, operate... Uh, concession stands and tours because I told you he was a popcorn salesman. Yeah. And one of the things he wanted to do was actually um, he wanted to put like a popcorn stand or some kind of concessions on the property and then I guess maybe give tours of the haunted house mm-hmm. and then just have people buy the concessions and stuff like that. And the, um, the, the not the neighborhood association, but the zoning and stuff said, no, you can't do that. So they kind of nixed that, but that's kind of, you know, what he was doing out there. So it's kind of like um, he probably had an ulterior motive. When yeah, he got the, well, it sounds like he sure did. With, so. so what are I having to gender in all this? Well, I don't know. Um, you know, one of the things, though, about this is that's kind of fishy is there's questions about whether Bobber ever actually bought the place or not. Because remember, it's the whole thing is he was buying Summerwind. But... When you talk to neighbors, neighbors say that the bank owned it, and they don't even think they knew what Bobber was out there doing. Oh. Because they were saying that he was supposed to buy a contract for deed, but the deal fell through before they even did it. So they don't even know why he was out there trying to do anything. It was like he was being shysty yeah. and just trying to get enough time in there to be able to write a book. And so, yeah, that's, you know, and I think that's why the concession stand thing that he was trying to do maybe didn't work because he didn't own the property. Well, how much money do you think you're going to make off a concession stand? I don't know, but if you get, if you write a book saying the place is haunted, you got a bunch of people coming in, you're selling tours and concessions and all that. I mean, that's what the... Yeah, the, I guess that could know. be true. Well, what so, a big turd. But the neighbors hated all the visitors coming out there, as you can imagine, just yeah, like with Stoll Cemetery when we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, the house was completely abandoned in the 1980s, and it fell into complete ruins. Disgusting. I mean, it was... Um, bats were in there. It was completely infested with bats. Uh, the busted out windows and the doors obviously let in all the elements. Yeah. And over a period of time, it just was crap. And in 1986, it was actually purchased by three investors who wanted to try open a to... popcorn stand. No, they wanted. To... <laughs> no, they wanted to make it a bed and breakfast. And give it up already. I mean, no kidding. Uh, but wasn't going to happen because in June of 1988, summer wind was actually struck by lightning twice, supposedly. And it burned completely to the good, ground. Good, good. Today, the only thing that remains is actually the foundation and the chimneys and like the yeah. steps leading up to it. So if you look up any pictures of it, 
which we'll post some on the Facebook page. It literally is just yeah. There was literally a foundation meant for nothing to be there. So the question is, did that really happen with the lightning striking it twice? Because why, why you say there's that? a lot of suspicion and maybe even some factual stuff that Craig's going to tell us about, about that possibly being arson from the neighbors. Oh. Much similar to the Stoll Church that we talked about at Stoll yeah. Cemetery, where it just burnt down and nobody knew why, no, but everybody yeah. seems to think it's neighbors. But, so they um, were going to get rid of this asshole once and for all. Right, and Craig has actually got, he's actually talked to a neighbor that claims he was there when they torched the place. Oh. <gasps> So he tells us about that. He's actually got a video on YouTube. Oh, but wow. Craig, yeah, Craig in his interview actually tells us all about that. And that is great. So that's what we're going to do now is we're going to listen to Craig. Because you'll like this because Craig tells us some cool stories that he's had personal experience. He spent the night up there several times. He did? Because, well, he's actually, he's host of Fox Valley Ghost Hunters. Yeah. He founded that. He's uh, an authority on, on Summer Wind. And he actually, he's got a couple of books out. But we're going to talk about all that that's in awesome. the interview. And But we poke holes in some of the story. He gives yeah. his opinion on some of the stuff and yeah. and uh, especially on the arson it thing. seems like there's a bunch of holy holes yeah <laughs> so let's listen to craig real quick all right guys i'm excited about this next guest I've, I've heard him on a lot of the bigger shows out there and uh reached out to him when i decided that i wanted to do the story on summer wind and actually put it off by a week from when i was originally going to do it because it meant that much to be able to have uh, uh craig Naring actually on the show who i consider to be probably the foremost uh, expert on summer wind. He may disagree, but I, I think every time I've ever heard anybody bring on a guest to talk about summer wing, it's always Craig and he always does such a great job. Now, Craig's an author. Uh, he's actually got two books out now. One of them has been fairly recent, but it's uh, Wisconsin most haunted one and Wisconsin most haunted two. And he's also the founder of Fox Valley ghost hunters. Craig, thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time. Yes. Thank you for having me on. I was like I said, it's no problem at all. And and when I decided I wanted to do Summer Wind, I remembered hearing you, and I went back and researched some of the um, uh, the other podcasts and sh- and uh, radio shows I'd heard you on, and it just made me that more excited about reaching out to you. And, and uh, luckily, I had a, a few people that you've been on their show, and I was able to get some contact information and make this thing happen. So uh, I'm excited about having you on. And having you talk a little bit about Summer Wind. Yeah, thank you. So I got a couple of questions for you right off the bat. On Summer Wind, in, in our story, I've heard this ter- told two different ways. That, that obviously, uh, Mr. Lamont, when he bought the mansion, what chased him out was the situation at... at uh, the dining room where he saw a full-bodied apparition coming from the basement door. Now, I've heard that mostly that it was an apparition of a man, but I've also seen a couple of documents that said that it was actually a woman with black hair. Now, you've done a lot of research on this place. What do you believe he saw, and what have you heard more often? I heard more often that it was a woman with a long white dress with long black hair. Uh, that had come up through the, it, it might have been the basement doors or the foyer doors where he had pulled out his black powder pistol and then shot at the, the woman, the ghost, the spirit coming up. 
Cool. And like I said, that's, you know, it fits with a lot of the rest of the story with a lot of the other sightings that are out that that actually makes more sense to me. I was kind of at least hoping that's what the, the reality of it was. Now, obviously, as we get into this story a little bit, you got the different uh, uh, changing hands and a lot of different stories. Obviously, with the Henshaws, you know, you've got Mr. Henshaw basically going mad, I guess is what uh, the best way to put it for back in that term, time frame. And then, then you've got uh, a Ginger Henshaw committing suicide, a lot of crazy things happening, and her father-in-law buying the place. Do you buy the story um, that when they were trying to turn it into the bed and breakfast that they actually found a corpse back hidden behind the wall of that closet? Or do you think that was just something to try to generate some excitement for the adventure they were going into? I think I really truthfully think it was something to generate the excitement. Now, I know that when you had stated that Ginger Hinshaw committed suicide, actually she had tried but failed. That's, um, actually, that's actually what I meant to say. I apologize. Yeah, for that. yeah but she had attempted Yeah, I just suicide. wanted to make sure that everybody knew <laughs> that she didn't actually commit suicide. No, it's, like I said, it's, it's, you know, if you if you listen to the story all the way to where she eventually goes back up there with her father-in-law uh, as he's trying to turn into a bed and breakfast, or her father, rather, and then, you know, the body's not there, but she had supposedly not said anything about the happenings in the house, and everything just seemed to be extremely fishy, which is, I guess, fitting for an old fishing lodge, but... I just you yeah know. well I think it helped generate a lot for the book that would be coming out uh, from the brother-in-law Raymond von Bober who had uh, purchased it after them and wrote the book the Carver effect and had a lot of that information in there now uh, the the corpse that they found in the wall uh, they sent their youngest daughter the Hinshaw sent their youngest daughter into a crawl space supposedly that they couldn't fit into and when she had crawled in, she saw this like corpse with black with a skull with black hair hanging off of it, and she came out screaming. And the reports are as they never reported to to the police. And when she returned, or when they returned to that crawl space, the corpse was gone. Now we are in contact with um, the April Hinshaw, who was the little girl that crawled into that crawl space. Um, of course, much older now, but. She's not willing to share a whole lot of details, but wants to make a lot of corrections to the story and what really happened, but won't go much further without having an attorney present. That's kind of odd. I mean, I don't know why she would feel like she would need an attorney, but it's not like she could be implicated in anything, but I guess. No, yeah, I know. But yeah, I, 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 like I said, I think a lot of that, that, that whole thing, um, cars starting on fire. I mean, there are no reports that I can find of any cars ever starting on fire you know, without, you know, without anything causing it other than something saying that it was paranormal. Uh, there are no reports of any cars on fire up there at all. So that was also in the book. So let me ask you this. Obviously, the the mansion, the story was that it burnt down in the 80s because it was struck by lightning. Some people say it was struck by lightning twice. Um, yeah. But you seem to think otherwise and, and have some documentation stating that. So uh, what's your thoughts on, on how it came to its demise? Um, yeah, we've had recently had uh, one person in particular come forward who was uh, basically up there during Father's Day weekend of 1988. 
and his uncle had the property next door. And a couple days prior to uh, the mansion burning down, a town official had come out to the property, knocked on their door and said, hey, if you see a fire in the woods, you know, don't call the police or the fire department because we know about it, we're going to be on scene. And the guy that came forward basically told me, he's like, he said he knew right away what they were going to do. So he waited. Um, the next night, it was Friday, you know, Friday, Father's Day. Nice sunny day, nothing, you know, nothing really happened. Uh, it wasn't raining out at all, but the next night it was a storm. Um, he said that lightning wasn't even really that bad. It was just, he says, summer wind has been there for since the 1900s, and why now? Why would lightning strike it now? But, uh, he said he was sitting on his front porch. He heard some commotion up by the summer wind property. They got him and a buddy got his raincoats on and walked up towards the property. And a fire truck was parked between the mansion and his house. Another fire truck was up on the road along with some uh, Vilas County Sheriff's Department cars, probably making sure that nobody would drive down there to check it out. And he stated that when they got up to the mansion he they kind of watched from a distance under some trees and they saw a brush truck type fire truck back up to the mansion two guys got out took some hay bales walked it to the inside of the mansion came back out got a torch went inside and lit it yeah i mean obviously they were tired of people coming up there and they didn't they didn't like all the publicity that it was getting and you know like i said i've seen where they didn't like people trampling over their yards to get to the place and I'm, and by this time, it was an eyesore anyway, so I, you know, you can't really blame them. I don't guess it's not the proper way to handle something, but you can see where they're coming from, I guess. Oh yeah, definitely. But the only problem is there. There's still people going up there, and probably maybe sometimes even more so than when it was there. I mean, I'm sure a little bit more when it was there, but there's still tons of people going up there. I we were been up there. A, uh, many times doing investigations, and people are still coming from all over the place. I'm talking Indiana, Georgia, Kentucky, Illinois, Minnesota. They're all coming over just to take pictures of the uh, iconic chimneys and the foundation that still remain. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that actually segues me into the next part that I wanted to uh, talk to you about. Tell me a little bit, because I know you've spent several times up there. I mean, I know you spent the night up there, like, you know, camping out on the property. Um, you've had a lot of experiences up there. Tell me a little bit about what you guys have experienced personally at Summer Wind. We've had a couple different sessions where rocks, like little tiny rocks, maybe the size of pennies, would fall out of the sky. Um, it started originally by one of our members throwing a rock into the foundation and suddenly another rock comes from out of the foundation. Not sure where it came from exactly, but all of a sudden these like little rocks are like landing close to us, next to us. Now we thought there were possibly people in the woods, you know, kids from next door trying to play a trick on us. So we had some thermal cameras, and there was nothing, uh, nothing at all. And it not only happened to our team, but it happened to another team that had went up, gone up there at the same time uh, a couple weeks later, and they had the same rock phenomenon and I looked up birds on the internet, seeing if anything, you know, would drop rocks or something at, in the, you know, during the dark, and I couldn't find anything. Well, I know you, uh, you guys have done a lot of uh, EVPs up there as well, and that's that's the part probably out of the rocks. I love that story, and the EVPs are the two most fascinating things I've heard you talk about. And uh, I like the fact that some of your EVPs um, are really friendly towards you guys. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it basically brings me into two stories I want to touch on. Um, we were doing an investigation up there, and probably I, I'll put it back probably about 2011. And uh, there's no electricity up there. There's nothing that is going to set off the meters. So we had K2 meters up front. Nobody had their phones on them because everybody knows that if you have your phones close to them, they can set them off. So the meters suddenly started going off, and we're running the ghost box to run white noise to be able to talk to them. And suddenly one of the ghosts that were kind of a male voice coming through kept saying we should go up the driveway, run up the driveway, vindictive, um, hurry, go get them, catch them, you know, you know, get them right away. And we're like, well, what, what the heck's going on? And one of my team members says, well, why don't I go up the driveway and check to make sure everything's okay? I mean, they're, they're talking about the driveway. So that was a little bit out of our sight. Uh, it was up over a little bit of a hill from the foundation. So he ran up to the driveway, and here there's three kids trying to break into the back of the uh, of our vehicles. <laughs> That's nice that uh, you've got uh, an anti-theft system through your uh, ghost box. Pretty much, and it, it didn't stop there. We After we got settled, they ran off. We heard them get into a vehicle and take off down the road. And, you know, what are we going to do? It's not like we saw them or could get their plate number. So went back up to the foundation probably within the next half hour. Uh, some more stuff comes on the ghost box saying, six, coming up the driveway. Hurry, get them now. And I'm like, oh, my God, is this really happening twice? And we got a little smarter. We put some motion detectors about halfway down the driveway. And just before, as we took off to run to see if there, anybody was coming up the driveway, the motion detectors went off. And we caught four guys and two girls at the end of the driveway that were on their way up. So when the spirit said that six coming up the driveway, that meant that I'm assuming the six people walking up the driveway. The one girl was so scared from the motion detector went off that she peed her pants. <laughs> so the, is this a, a common problem with um, people trying to break into vehicles and stuff? Since I would imagine they would assume you guys were probably paranormal investigators and probably expect you to have some expensive equipment. Do you run into that quite often? That was the only time that we actually had that problem. Uh, we'll be sometimes we'll have our five, six members of our team up there. We'll have a little fire going. We'll all be sitting around the fire, and we'll hear cars in the distance. We won't see them pull in, but suddenly here comes four or five, you know, young people. Um, sometimes even older adults. They'll sit there and walk right past us while we're sitting by the fire, and I'll basically say, "Excuse me, what are you doing?" They were like, well, we're here to see summer wind. I said, well, do you know the owners? They're like, no. I said, well, technically you're trespassing, and we actually have permission to be here. And it's kind of sad because, you know, with with the whole story of uh, Robert Lamont, uh, or actually it would have been uh, um, Raymond Von Bober having the dream about an explorer named Jonathan Carver bearing a deed to one-third of northern Wisconsin and the foundation of summer wind. Uh, which I can tell you, I studied his travels. He actually never made it as far north as the Summerwind property. So there's nothing buried in the foundation of Summerwind, but yet you get all these people going up there, and they're slowly and gradually breaking away at the foundation, the bricks, pulling them out, trying to find what's really not there. Well, And the other thing is, you know, 
he died like a hundred years, a little over a hundred years before Summerwind was even built. There's no way it could be in the foundation. No, no, not at all. And it was just a dream as well. In fact, according to what I heard, and I've had a couple people trying to find this, but they stated that the uh, the deed to whatever whatever Jonathan Carver had a deed with with the Native Americans was found in, in a museum in England. I'm still trying to find where that museum is, but haven't got had any luck. Well, and then, you know, I've seen other things. We didn't really talk about it in the show, but, you know, I've seen that even if they had found the deed, it was worthless, so it didn't matter that it was Yeah, valid. I don't know if it, they just think it's something unique that they're going to find, like a, a treasure. They're like, oh, my God, I found the, the deed to one-third of northern Wisconsin dating back to the early 1900s. But, you know, why? It's, like I said, it's still private property. It's not like it's something public <laughs> that you can you right. should, you know, just tripes upon. <laughs> so... Tell me a little bit about, I've heard you tell a story, uh, I guess a, a woman had came to you and talked about when her younger days, she had some experiences up there while she was out on the lake uh, with a friend of hers on the boat. Uh, touch on that a little bit for me. Yeah, the woman uh, that I had talked to, uh, now this was about four or five years ago, her name was Emily, she was in her 90s and she lived on the other side of the island. I, haven't, I don't know if she's still around or if she had passed away. But uh, she had, in, in great detail, could tell us stories that uh, had happened while they were younger, when her and her friend was younger. They, uh, I think they said they were around 10 years old or something, they decided to go fishing out on the lake, and they were rolling around out in the lake when a really bad storm was coming up. So they were looking to get some shelter and saw on the shoreline, uh, uh, here comes that woman again, with a long white dress and the black flowing hair, waving at them to come to shore to get out of the storm. So they rode the boat to the shoreline, got in uh, up on the shoreline, and she motioned them to come up to the house, which at that time was actually called Lilac Hills. Didn't change the name until summer wind later. But uh, they followed her up to the mansion, and she waved them inside, and they came inside. She waved them to sit down on the, the couch. They sat down on the couch. She started going up the stairs and disappeared halfway into the staircase as she went up the stairs. The girls were so frightened that uh, they said that they just ran out of there kind of screaming. And uh, by then, the uh, rain had died down a little bit, so they got back in their boat and rode back to their house. The next day, they said that uh, they were still curious of you know, what, they, what had happened and wanted to go back and see what was going on. So they rode in that direction, the boat towards uh, the mansion again, and this time the woman in white was waving them away, saying, like, hey, get out of here, we don't want you here, and stuff. They were a little bit angered by that, by, you know, why she would do that when they invited her, them there the first time. So they went back home and found out the next day that one of the caretakers were shooting at people on the property. I guess he went kind of crazy. No one was killed that I, I'm aware of, but... So let me let me ask you this: because it's obvious this keeps coming up. So we we've got the lady in the white dress, black hair. Uh, it was supposedly seen by the Henshaws. Uh, you've got the the body that was found that had the the black hair. Uh, like I said, a lot of the stories have to do with uh, uh, the shooting down in the uh, dining room at the at the basement doors seeing a lady with a white dress and black hair. Any ideas who this may be? Any any inkling at all? There was stated, when I first started going 
going to the property, there was a, a, a grave marker on the property. This was before everybody started vandalizing stuff. And right now it's even looked like some, somebody tried to dig it up at some point. But uh, there was a cross there and it had a, a girl's name on it or a woman's name on it named Lucy. Now, Lucy has appeared in many different stories over the history of Summer Wind as being a little girl that, now they're saying a little girl there, but they're saying that a girl that was buried on the property back in the day when you were allowed to bury your loved ones on the property without taking them to the cemetery. Um, my thoughts is it's possibly this, but I'm not sure where she fits in the timeline of who owned the place because we can't find anybody with any daughters or wife's name named Lucy. Now, what's kind of cool is we did an investigation there while doing the world's largest ghost hunt, which it was documented on uh, through the, I'm sure you're familiar with the world's largest ghost hunt that they had going on last year. Yes. Okay. So we, we were picked to do summer wind up there and we went up to summer wind there and we had about uh, 25 guests up there and... Uh, one of the guests was videotaping some staircases, that the staircases that go up to the foundation, to the porch of Summer Wind. The first time she went around with her video camera, there was absolutely nothing there. But the second time that she went around with her video camera and was coming up the stairs, there looked like, clearly it looked like there was a woman wearing a white dress. And she didn't walk away, she kind of glided away. And this woman, the guest that was up there that was videotaping, captured this. And it made the uh, uh, world's largest ghost hunt as well on their feed as some really interesting evidence from Summer Wind. See, that's that kind of stuff's awesome. And so, let me let me ask your honest opinion. So you've been up there a lot. You've got EVPs. We've heard stories from basically three different owners. Uh, and then you know, I've, I've I guess I'm just kind of at a point where I don't know who to believe and who not to believe. I, I think I tend to believe the Lamont story just because of the credibility of who he was uh, in society. I don't know how much I believe after the fact, or at least fully after the fact, but there's obviously something there. You guys have experienced it. What do you believe and not believe about the stories of Summer Wind? Well, I don't believe a lot in the whole corpse they found in the wall. You know, is it possible? I guess it's possible. But again, how do you prove that with uh, no real documentation, no police reports? Um, I found that the cars that supposedly had started on fire didn't start them. You know, there were no reports of any fires up there from cars and automobiles. Now, the other things that happened, you know, throughout what people had said were rooms changing sizes um one day they're one size and then when they measure them the next day they'd be a different size is it possible um you know i don't know i don't <laughs> it's hard it's hard to tell you know like you said what do you believe and what don't you believe i definitely believe it's haunted because we've had enough stuff happen to us up there that you know definitively even from the evps to uh things touching our guests to us getting touched to some really um really communicate what do you want to call it? the ghosts that are really good at communicating the intelligent ghosts up there that uh, answer your questions with a, a legit answer definitely would have to say that it's it's haunted but as far as everything that's happened throughout the history i don't know if i believe in all that well you know i don't believe in a lot of what um ginger and arnold henshaw had to say 
But at the same time, something had an effect on Arnold because he obviously didn't uh, do very well with his nervous breakdown, and he did spend time in a hospital over it, and, and Ginger did have a suicide attempt. So, I mean, I don't know that some of what they said was real and maybe some of it was fabricated, but something had an effect on them without a doubt in a short yeah, time. Definitely. All right. So I could talk to you about summer wind all day long, but no, well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I actually want to get into some of your other work, but before we do that, you were actually involved in a project on trying to get summer wind back to its, uh, its glory days. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I'll actually give you two little secrets to Summer Wind before I get into that. The first secret of Summer Wind I mentioned earlier that it was originally called Lilac Hills. The name Lilac Hills was the original part of Summer Wind. It actually didn't change till Summer Wind till Raymond Von Bober had it. And how it changed was he walked out to the end of the driveway and found the sign laying in some dirt and it said Summer Wind. The change from Lilac Hills then to Summer Wind, and most people will just call it the Lamont Mansion. But for overall purposes, it's you know known to most by Summer Wind as well. One of the other little secrets of Summer Wind is uh, Arnold Hinshaw wasn't his real name; that was a, a stage name because they didn't want you know with everything that happened to get out, he didn't want his name tarnished. So his actual real name was James or Jim Hill. So that's something unique that we just found out recently. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had no clue about either one of those. Yep. So, yeah, Jim Hill was, uh, um, and I guess Jim Hill and uh, Ginger Hinshaw were never married. So that's another thing that is different than from what I've heard. Well, see, the place is just full of secrets. Yeah, definitely. We call it Secrets of Summer Wind. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, going to what we're trying to do is uh, with the current owners, um, the current owners bought it in 19... 19- 86 and it was bought as an anniversary present to the husband bought it for a wife because her wife asked the husband can you uh come home with something different for my anniversary i want something unique so he comes back with the deed to summer wind um any guesses on what it sold for back then i know oh man um not half that but yeah wow yeah and the land uh not from what i uh read about what the land and you know just the land is worth is upward around two hundred thousand right now so without even the house being there well it's a pretty good investment then <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> just no house there but uh yeah what we're trying to do is like i said the owners bought it in 86 they wanted hopes that they wanted to work on it and maybe turn it into a bed and breakfast and uh in 1988 uh lightning supposedly struck it twice uh, uh twice yeah now that's hard to believe as well just because the the mansion was so tattered weathered with you know water wise that that would probably would have been really wet in the night of the, the storm that probably would have been pretty hard just to get a fire going with the with the rain unless you had the right elements but we're hope like i said we're hoping that we can help the owners uh turn it back into a bed and breakfast uh we've been working with some people um, actually, Jeff Belanger had actually gotten a hold of us not long ago, hoping that he could find uh, a producer or something that would do like a couple seasons on the rebuilding of Summer Wind and maybe uh, help us out financially there. But so far, he hasn't found uh, someone that wants to take the challenge. He said it's a unique challenge because no one in ever has ever created a rebuilt a haunted house. They've done you know, like move this house or you know 
you know, tweak my house or something like that, but they never actually rebuilt a haunted house. So it'd be something unique and different, but there's also a risk there, as in rebuilding a haunted house. You don't know if you get your your money back. So, is is the plan to try to rebuild it back to specs to where it looks like it did in its glory days, or is the plan just to have a whole different different uh, architectural style? Nope. Actually, we got the uh, original blueprints from uh, back from the Robert Lamont days and. The blueprints are even stated, I think, on the blueprints 1916 or something like that, or 1920. But uh, we got the blueprints all the way down to the skeleton key, so we'd like to redo it. And what it looked like on the outside would be what it looked on like on the outside if we were to rebuild it today. Of course, with all the you know codes now being different on the inside, and it would be like my my idea, and even the owner owner's ideas would be like to be like a lodge with all the history of you know of what had gone on over the years being part of the you know the lodge inside um i got the original shutters from the house as well that were given to me by the guy that came forward to tell us about the the town possibly uh causing the fire on purpose so it's it'd be really cool to have people be able to come there and you know not trespass but be able to actually stay the night and Hopefully what we would think that it would be, be just as haunted as it was before because whatever is there is still there. So, Yeah, I mean, a lot of people believe that, that the, the area was haunted even before there was, you know, the mansion was even built there. So, I mean, I can't imagine that it would change just by putting a new structure there. No, definitely not. I mean, I got a lot of, I, I got a lot of people that believe in what we're doing, and then you got the people that say, oh, my God, you shouldn't build that. It burned down for a reason. It's the devil's property. I'm like, well, well you can think what you, what you want to think, but, you know, I, I, if the ghosts are warning us about certain situations happening there, and even some of our EVPs um, that we captured there, like little girl dead, there's a, a voice that came through that said, little girl dead is your friend. You know, maybe that's referring to the girl Lucy. I don't know. Um, another one, the ones that warned us and basically told us, uh, hey, you know, someone's coming up the driveway. Some of the ones that we would ask them if they want the mansion rebuild, uh, rebuilt, the spirits would say, yes, we do. Well, the spirits are in favor. What about the neighbors? Are they in favor of the, of the project or are they just kind of hoping that it never comes together? Um, the neighbors I've talked to and they wish us luck. They say it's been tried before, um, I think twice before. I don't know who tried before. Uh, maybe that would have been with Bober and the, you know, trying to rebuild it into a bed and breakfast. That might have been his idea. Um, but uh, for the most part, they're okay. They don't like the constant, like, you know, earlier, they don't like the constant people going out there still to this day. You know, if someone's lost out there, they drive up the wrong driveway, they'll knock on their door. Where's Summer Wind? Well, they've been hearing the, that for, <laughs> you know, 50 some years. Where's Summer Wind? How do I get to it? So they're tired of the, the people just kind of driving up there. Now, hopefully building it into a bed and breakfast, uh, there'll be some, what's the word I'm looking for? They'll basically be able to know where the property is rather than driving down somebody's driveway. They'll have permission to be there. And, you know, hopefully if it gets built into a bed and breakfast, they'll know it's a bed and breakfast and not just some place you can come and party and hang out. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you guys have a uh, an estimate on what it's, I mean, obviously you do, but do you guys already have a, a working price on what it's going to take to rebuild this thing? From some of the uh, p- 
people that looked at our blueprints based on, you know, we're not going to have all the the outbuildings like the garages, the maids' quarters, the servants' quarters. It'd just be the, the main mansion. And, you know, we can probably work it so it's, you know, a smaller, you know, not like a huge five, six-bedroom bed and breakfast, but more like a three-bedroom bed and breakfast, something like that. They were talking close to half a million dollars. Um, now they said if we knew the right people, and I do know some people that do masonry, um, excavating, all that. So that's that's a big help. Even got tons of people that would follow our Summer Wind Restoration Society page on Facebook, saying they'd love to come up there. They'll pound nails for free just to be a part of the rebuilding process. They they said we'll haul the metal out. We'll work on the the trees. We we cut trees down. We'll help you with the the you know all the the plants and the shrubs around that get rid of that stuff. So there's a lot of people that want to help. So that might make the process uh, a little bit cheaper. Yeah, that would be really cool. And and like you said, if you can, uh, you know, eventually get get one of the TV shows or something to hook up with you, that that obviously I think would go a long ways on on getting this thing done. Yeah, I, I think if the money was there, I I don't think they would hesitate in the least to cover the story. You um, have the History Channel for sure, probably, but. Uh, I mean, I know lots of people now that, you know, if they had money, if, if I had the money, seriously, if I had the money, I would, I'd do it right now and, you know, make it not my own, but say, hey, come and check out this place. I want to, you know, build it into something unique, something fantastic. So well, all it takes is really one person. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully that person comes because, I mean, I think it would be something fantastic to have rebuilt. And like you said, how often do you get to rebuild a haunted house? I mean, that's that's a phenomenal thought in its own. That somebody, oh, definitely. You know. I don't even think there's a, anybody that's ever done that. I mean, buying haunted houses and refurbishing, but not doing something from the ground up that has a history of a you know U.S. Secretary of Commerce. Well, if it mix. if it ever gets done, there there will be a very long waiting list of people to spend the night there. There won't be any doubt about that. So no, it's funny because I got people t- calling me every once in a while now. Hey, if you get it built into bed and breakfast, can you put our name down on the list to yeah. call us first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and seven thousand yeah. other people. <laughs> yep. All right, so summer wind. Like I said, it's a it's an awesome story, but Wisconsin has several awesome stories, as I found out through your books. And I thought I would uh, give you some some time to maybe share a story or two from each one of the books that you found the most fascinating uh, that really sell the book for you, and then uh, give you a chance to be able to tell people how to buy the book to hear all the other stories. Yeah, um, the first book that I wrote, uh, I can't say I like one or the other better than, uh, the first book has a little bit of a, more of a, a understanding for me in the paranormal field basically because in the first book I wrote about my girlfriend that passed away in 2015 um, from a tumor on her spinal cord. And she always used to jokingly around with me, joke with me saying, you know, once she passed away, she would haunt me. Kind of kind of funny in itself, but this is what kind of made my whole paranormal, my ghost hunting worth what I do. Uh, when I had, when she had passed away, she passed away in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. And at a trailer at her parents' house, and I did an investigation there with the ghost box, the spirit box, and I was able to communicate with her. Uh, She basically said she missed me and she loved me. When I asked her what her nickname that I had for her, she would say my name, the nickname was Munchkin, because that's what I called her, my little Munchkin. So 
a very kind of a touching story. It was hard for me to tell people that and, uh, for a long time because it just kind of, you know, something that I you don't plan on ever doing. You, you talk to, you, you go on all these ghost hunts, but you never really talk to anybody you really know. And suddenly I'm talking to someone that was close to me that passed away. So that was fantastic in itself. And then finding out that she couldn't just talk to me there. She talked to me at my new place that I moved into. And then now I just moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I've been able to communicate with her there as well. So to for the people that state that ghosts are trapped where they're, where they're at, well, it's possibly if there were some murders involved or somebody did a bad crime, maybe they're trapped there. But uh, definitely not the case in my girlfriend that passed away, whom I've been able to talk to in three different locations. Yeah, that's a, that's a, when when it becomes personal like that. It's like you said. It's uh, you know, I was reading a story the other day, and it was uh, some kids that went. It was actually the the story, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it's really intriguing. But it was a story of the uh, American version of the Dyatlov Pass that happened in California in the seventies, and they couldn't find there was these five young boys that went missing. They all had special needs. And, uh, one of the dads was out as a search party and he actually found his own son. And it's just like, that story just hit me so hard as I, I couldn't imagine being part of the search party. And they all told him not to do it. Uh, just for that, just odd chance that he might actually come across, but looking through all these acres of woods, over 20 miles worth of woods, he just happened to stumble across the body of his own son and uh, wow. I don't know I just felt that gut-wrenching and and you know to hear your story like I said when you can actually you, you're used to talking to, to people and spirits and on the ghost box but to know that that's somebody that's meant a lot in your life especially in something as recent as what that was I just can't imagine how that must have felt it was probably bittersweet I'm assuming yeah like I said it was it was hard it was rough I did a lot of seminars on it um, and I would explain my story, and it was even hard doing that. Um, a lot better now. It, it, I think I got more closure by being able to talk to her afterwards rather than not hearing from her at all. I still don't know where she's at, but, hey, you know, it's, at least we know we can possibly communicate with our loved ones once they're gone. Yep, I agree. That's that's. I had an experience, you know, I'm not going to bore you with the details of it, but I had an experience where... Uh, my mother came to me through some other people just out of the blue in the most random of places. And uh, for me, that changed my whole concept of life. I mean, it's at that point in time, I was guaranteed, even though I believed it before, I was guaranteed the knowledge that there is an afterlife. And you just you just see everything so different once that's embedded in your brain. Yeah, definitely. So in, my, in the first book, Wisconsin Most Haunted, um, some of the stories in there, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty awesome. Um, from, uh, a school in Wisconsin Rapids called First Ward School. Uh, if you ever get a chance to visit that, uh, the guy there that owns it, his name is Justin Lyddicks. He's amazing. Um, he believes that, you know, you shouldn't provoke ghosts. You shouldn't taunt them. They're basically human beings once alive that are now not passed, you know, crossed over or whatnot or moved on. And so you should treat them with respect like you should treat everybody in today's world. I agree with that. And that's, you know, you see some of these ghost hunting shows, you know, I won't name names, but no, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Probably. Yep, but, yep. but it's just, it, it's just, it's disrespectful. Yep. I mean, if you want them to communicate with you, I would, you know, I'd be polite, you know, rather than, you know, I don't believe you're there. You're, you know, calling them some names or whatnot. 
So then my new book, Wisconsin Most Haunted, Volume 2, which ran into a little snag uh, last week. Um, it was available on Amazon. Suddenly it was uh, held up because they didn't believe that I was the author. I had to send in some, that not necessary documentation, but state that I am the author, I own the rights to it, and everything like that, which I guess is safer than that, having someone, you know, steal your idea and uh, make it try to make it their own. So I guess it's good on their part that they, you know, went to that extreme. So it was re-released, not re-released, but it was now available as of today again, this morning. So it's back up on Amazon.com. So was my first book, Wisconsin Most Haunted. But Wisconsin Most Haunted, Volume 2, one of the stories in there that means quite a a decent amount to me was one of our very first investigations. When I got started in uh, 2010, one of our first investigations was a haunted hospital in uh, Wisconsin. And... It was the very first time I ever captured an EVP, the very first time I ever heard a disembodied voice. I mean, I, I, I try to find things that scare me now, and it's actually kind of hard to actually go into places. I don't get as scared as I, I used to when I was first starting out. Uh, when I was at the hospital that we investigated in 2011, we were in the basement of the hospital where the morgue was at, and then there's like a weird sub-basement below that basement that had like the furnace and stuff in. And we were look, looking down the stairs. It was pitch black. I couldn't see the hand in front of my face. And I called out, is there anybody down there? And a voice comes back clearly, and it says, no. And it's this faint whispered voice, just kind of long, <laughs> almost like a growl. It's It scared the living crap out of me to the point where I had to take a break and walk away. I could I could definitely understand that. And were you were you by yourself at that point? I had one other guy with me, but he was just kind of a friend. He wasn't on the team, and he was just like hanging out with me. I wanted to show him the place, and I'm, he's like, "What? What's wrong?" He didn't hear it, but uh, <laughs> it, it it sounded like he the whatever whispered to me was right next to me. And uh, you know, being that it was my first investigation and very first time that I captured an EVP, it was amazing. Amazing investigation, and I wrote that in the storyline of the new book. So, well, I know um, I posted last night on our well, it was last night when we're talking, but it'll be a couple of days late by the time this airs. But I posted uh, a video where it's a little, a uh, little bit of a preview of the book, and then uh, I'm posting uh, ways to be able to get a hold of you. So, what's the best way if somebody wanted to reach out to you to ask questions or? Uh, to get the book, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? Um, we're all on Fox Valley Ghost Hunters on Facebook. You can get also get a hold of us on foxvalleyghosthunters.com in the comments or call us. We got our phone numbers listed on there. I, I, I hate giving out my phone number because I get prank calls all the time, but <laughs> in, in the amount of years that we've been doing this, I've only had three phone calls that were pranks, so we're doing pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, foxvalleyghosthunters.com. Definitely check us out on Facebook under Fox Valley Ghost Hunters. We also run Summer Wind Restoration Society on Facebook and uh, Wisconsin's Most Haunted Places on Facebook. And you guys, uh, you guys don't just stay in Wisconsin uh, because I know you've got some other stuff going on in some other states. Uh, I've seen you were going, to, and I might have missed this. Might have you've already went, but uh, what about the Illinois? You were going to check out a school or something in Illinois. Am I right about that? Um, we're actually doing an event down in, uh, it's actually in Iowa. At, Iowa, called, that's what I meant. Yep, the Farrar Haunted Schoolhouse. We're doing an event for the public to come join us on uh, 
one night or two night VIP investigation down there. So how does how does your group out of Wisconsin end up in Iowa? Um, just basically, we, we well we started out. I've been to the school fourteen times. So um, well, but going now, I think will be our fifteenth time. The school is just amazing with so much activity. We've had so much uh, um, evidence come from that place alone, from you know EVPs uh, covering some of our investigators would sneeze, and the spirit would say, "Bless you." And so they're they seem to be for the most part nice ghosts there. But we've also been scratched there, had some growls there. It's a place where you footsteps are like a, a common occurrence, and we've been there so many times that we know the owner so well that. We did an event last year, and it sold out in, like, uh, literally three months. And this year, we just put it up just recently. So we only got about nine VIP spots left, and the VIP spots for the two-night investigation will be sold out. Well, that's – and like I said, for – I'm sure there's a lot of people, of our listeners that are in that area especially that, uh, you know, that's something you need to jump on. And where can they find the information on, the, on your website? On our website, um, as well as yeah, it's on our website, and it's also we ha- have the event listed on our Facebook page as well. And yeah. we're actually, I'm actually in the process of writing a third book. I'm on like the sec- second uh, chapter right now, and that's covering all of my, all of ours, and all of mine out of state investigations. So that'll be the third book. I know um, we're getting ready to do a live event in April. In at uh, Waverly Hills, and uh, you were there what this past August, if I believe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we had a, a great time there. That's it's, it's an amazing place just just to see the place and think in your mind what happened there from all the patients that had passed away. The body shoot is just beyond creepy. I mean, it's got two two different zip codes. Yeah. It's so long. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, it's an amazing place, and and. Uh... Man, I know we we put up to do that event, and and there was only fifty tickets available for the tour that night at Waverly, and we put it up, and uh, all but four tickets sold out within the first twenty four hours. And yeah. uh, I know we got people coming from as far away as Texas, Michigan, uh, eight hours away in Virginia. So I know I know our listeners out there travel. So that's when I say the the event you're doing at the, in Iowa. I wouldn't be surprised if you get some of our listeners come out that way because they love those type of events but uh, yeah and it's 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 not really expensive to uh spend one night investigating with us just friday alone and you know some people would rather do one night than the whole weekend it's only 60 dollars a person but to spend two nights and one full day and we do have seminars during the day on saturday um from different uh you know speakers and stuff and you know free dinner and door prizes and everything it's 42 hours in there. Basically, you're going to spend 42 hours, and you get to sleep in the school, and it's only 140 a person for 40, 40 hours, 40-plus 40 hours in there. Oh, see, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great price for something like that because uh, I know the prices at Waverly to do an investigation there are way, way more money than that. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then, like I said, you can sleep here too, so you don't have to go and get a motel, which will cost you even more, so. Yeah, if I took my wife, trust me, we would be leaving and going to a hotel. She would not sleep <laughs> in that place. <laughs> so um, I, I got to tell you, Craig, I appreciate it. I, I knew this was going to be great, and it's been one of my favorite interviews. I appreciate you coming on. And, man, I wish you the best of luck. And when you get the uh, third book out, man, I'd love to have you back on again. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much for having me. 
All right, Craig Neary and everybody, uh, make sure that you go to the website and uh, check it out and sign up to, because she like said they're limited on these tickets for the uh, schoolhouse in Iowa. And I think you guys would have a blast out there, and, and uh, especially you guys that can't come to the events here because you're a little further out west. That will work out perfect for you guys. So thank you, Craig. I appreciate it, and we'll be talking to you soon. Yep, thank you. Have a good night. So I think that just based on what he said, I think it was without a doubt arson. Because if you got somebody that's got that specific of details, I mean, from where the fire trucks were to the fact that they purposely blocked the road off, yeah, you know, that, that's, I mean, without a doubt, there's there's no doubt that was that was. I arson. definitely believe that story a lot more than I believe all that other lightning stuff. striking twice. Yeah, because we all know lightning doesn't strike twice at the same time. That's the story we've always heard. Yeah. Anyways, the uh, I also thought it was cool that he shed some light on the fact that his side of what he's heard was that. Mr. Lamont actually did see the woman in the white mm-hmm. rather than a man, apparition of a man. Right, right. Well, I tell you, you had me all the way to the story until you got to the end, and it's like, man. And, you know, and like it's, I said. It's hard to believe what people will actually, links they'll go to. You know what I'm and, saying? And like I said, he, you know, he's pointed out that there was no, you know, to, to not, the whole Henshaw thing, to not turn in. Hey, I found a body, but I didn't turn it into police. Yeah, Come I mean, on. I why just, in the hell? That makes not... no sense mm. whatsoever. I just, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I believe that there's stuff up there because obviously they've got EVPs and, yeah, yeah. and stuff up there, but I don't believe anything that the Henshaws had I mean, to say. Right. Why would you, any person in the right mind would not just leave that in that closet? Yeah. I mean, why, I mean, why would you do that? No, nothing they really said panned out. And, and, but I also like the fact that Craig said that, uh, he's been trying to get in touch with the daughter Mary that yeah. supposedly went inside oh, there yeah. and found it because he says now that she's much older because uh, this happened in the seventies. But he he said that she is willing to talk, but he just hadn't been able to right. set up an interview. Right, oh. and she's being really picky about what she oh, says. Oh, I bet, say, so. I bet that would be interesting to hear, though. Oh, it would be, guys. We greatly appreciate you listening. This has been. Uh, fun having you guys we've been we started a facebook group hey we need to mention that oh my gosh yes well okay we let me, yeah actually. i was gonna say let me rephrase that yeah let's rephrase that so a lot of you guys have been asking us to do a group and as i keep reportedly saying it's just another task not that we don't want to it's just another task to be honest with you i just don't have time for and natasha from uh australia actually sent us a message and said hey basically if you're not going to do it is it okay if i do it and I told her I would, and we would help out as much as we could. So she took the bull by the horns and started a Facebook, Facebook group. And it's actually been way more fun than I oh realized Oh, my gosh. It, it has been. been so fun. I mean, <laughs> I don't know about this rapping thing that you guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah, they, they put a, she put a poll up. <laughs> she put a poll up on whether she wanted to hear Tracy rap more, uh, me to rap, me and Tracy to do a rap battle. And stuff like that. And it's cool because everybody gets involved and everybody's voting and you can see how many votes you have for each. And like I said, I would have probably started one of these a long time ago if I knew how much fun it would be. I didn't think there'd be that much interest. And we had like 200 people. Oh, my gosh. We the are first so, three days. It I was know. Up. And it, we are so appreciative for you to do that. I mean, like Jerry said, it's a lot of fun clicking on there and seeing what people say and it just tickles me to no end and yeah because unlike the regular facebook page where we post stuff and some people can comment there there are actually people are sharing their own yes, stories it's great. just people are talking about the show what they liked about this episode or that episode mm-hmm. and and uh 
Uh, they're giving you a lot of different show ideas that yeah. some of them I've already found that we're going to use. Yeah, it's uh, so for helpful. Upcoming. It's but it's it's more you guys interacting with each other right. than it is us. And yeah, we do chime in and we post some stuff on there, but it's completely different than the regular Facebook page. We it's it's nothing the same at all on there. So. If you want to join, just look up Hillbilly Stories. Uh, Hillbilly, what's the name of our show? <laughs> Hillbilly Horror Stories. <laughs> it's been a long week. It sure has. Hillbilly Horror Stories group. Just uh, look that up on Facebook. You'll have to send a request. You don't have to answer any questions or anything right. like some of the groups. Send us a request, and one of us will approve it, and uh, we'll have some fun with it. But I, I think you'll, you guys will love it, and I'd like to see that thing get up to as many people who want to listen. So if you want to engage with other listeners... Um, it's pretty fun. Yeah, we're happy to hit that join button or accept or whatever it is. Yeah, we're hitting some kind of button. Yeah, the more the merrier. Is like I said, we appreciate you doing that. That is really very thoughtful of you to do, and we appreciate it. And I'm just like I said, having the best time looking at all that stuff, and like I'm be at work looking at it, and then I like bust out laughing, and yeah, my pe- boss is like, hmm. People are posting jokes, and they're posting. Uh, what they liked about this, and it's just it's just fun. It it's is just, fun. It is fun. It's a little hard for us to get used to because um, it. I don't know. It almost you're used to seeing pages like that for celebrities, and we don't put ourselves in that category. So would, to think that somebody uh, across the world would want to do a fan page for us, uh, it means a lot to us. It, it just, sure does. So you guys are the greatest. We love you. Absolutely are. And what would make it even greater um, is if you went and bought T-shirts. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not be greedy now. <laughs> but uh, don't forget that we've got that. And Patreon, we are coming up with an episode tomorrow night, which I think is going to be really cool. Um, and I'm going to give uh, credit to to one of our listeners, um, Tina Oler, because she brought up on the group, she brought up about Haunted Mammoth Cave. And that brought up a story that I think a lot of you will find fascinating, and I won't give a ton of details here, but my fourth cousin is actually a famous cave explorer by the name of Floyd Collins. And Floyd was actually part of the biggest media frenzy in the 20s, because it was right after radio, broadcast radio really just started. And he was trapped in a cave, and there was literally... Papers all over the world were covering this. There were thousands, I mean thousands of people showing up at the site while they were trying to uncover him. And uh, in between World War I and World War II, there really wasn't a lot of stories, but this was actually the third biggest story during that time between the two world wars. And uh, the only two stories that were bigger was Charles Lindbergh's uh, transatlantic flight and him having uh, his baby uh, when his baby was actually kidnapped. And for that to be the third biggest story behind t- those two stories shows you how big of a deal it was. But it's a heartbreaking story. Uh, and then after, you know, the end, it really still isn't the end. There's more heartbreak after that. And we get into all the details. So she she talked to me into actually telling the story on the show. It's not really paranormal. It's not really true crime. Uh, but there's a t- tad bit of paranormal attached to it. Um so I think it's pretty cool, but it's I think you'll like it, and that's what we've decided to do for our Patreon episode. So if you want to become a member and hear that, it's the $5 a month pledge, and I think you guys would greatly enjoy this little story. Absolutely, and keep those reviews coming, everybody. We love them, and you know, like we've said probably 100 times before, it really helps us in our ratings, and I look forward to looking at them every single day. It just, you know, 
just a bright spot in my day. So yeah, I finally yeah. added Tracy to the the our Hillbilly Horror Stories Facebook page because she hadn't been a <laughs> she'd been a member, but she hadn't been uh, like a moderator, so she couldn't answer and stuff. Yeah, what's up with that? So, <laughs> so now she actually responds and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. when you write. Or before, it was always me that was responding. Yeah. Now, now it could be either one of us. Yeah. And it'll always be me. I'll be happy all the time. Yeah. If you see like, oh, yay, that's not me. <laughs> you could probably figure out which ones are her, which ones, which ones aren't. You guys make our day. You really do. I hope you all know that. And we just, like I say, we love you guys so much. And we are excited for more exciting things to come up this year and and. We'll get to meet a bunch of you guys, which is like, we are so looking forward to that. Oh, speaking of which, I guess I need oh, to bring yeah, this yeah, that, up. That was the other thing. Yeah, I need, I need to bring, bring up. this up. We're doing a live event at, well, the live event is actually in Louisville, but it's before that. Um, we're going to actually go to Waverly Hill Sanatorium, and we're going to be taking a tour there, and there are only four tickets available left. Mm-hmm. We had 50 tickets, and the first 46 sold the same night that we said that they were available. Oh, dude, like in two hours they were yeah, gone. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. But this is what we're going to do is we're going to have a live event at a place called Roosters, which Ooh, is a, uh, so it's a, it's a wing place similar to Hooters. Mm, some so of you may have better. it, some of you don't. And uh, we've reserved a room, and what we're going to do is Mike Brown from Pleasing Terrors. Uh, we're going to be there, me and Tracy. And then you're also going to have um, Diane and Denise from History Goes Bump. We're all going to be there. We're all going to do about a 30, 40-minute live show. And then uh, it's going to be a meet and greet and just talk to you guys. And then we're going to have a question and answer period. Uh, that right there, those are tickets are available. If you go to, uh, I'll post a link to our website. Those are uh, $10 a piece. And it gets you into that. And then there are still four tickets, as I'm, we're doing this, available for Waverly. They're $25 a piece, and you have to go to Waverly's website to book that. But it's April 28th. It's coming up. We got people that's already bought their tickets coming from Michigan, uh, which is six, seven hours away. Yeah. Somebody coming from Texas, which I know is 10, 11, 12 hours minimum away. We got people coming from Virginia. It's going to be an amazing thing to come do a tour with all of us. And, um, and we can't wait to see you guys. We are so flipping excited. Yeah. So if you if you want to be a part of that, like I said, there's only four tickets left for Waverly. April 28th, go to Waverly's website and uh, get your tickets. Woo-hoo! And, then, and then come see us for the meet and greet. It's only $10 extra. And uh, like I said, I'll post on our Facebook page. I will post uh, both of those links so you can be a little easier for you. Yeah. But we appreciate it. We're looking forward we are. We're looking forward to it, and um, you guys have a wonderful week and safe week. Hope you don't get a bunch of snow. We were supposed to have, what is it called? Snowmageddon or whatever <laughs> I don't think that's how it's said. And fortunately, we only got like two inches. Yeah, it's so. the dusting of 2018. Yeah. <laughs> so. so anyway, it was good to see the snow, but um, you guys have a wonderful week, and y'all take care of each other. All right. Love you guys. Thanks. Love you.